Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. Hey. Paul and Rick here again, and excited to be with you. Um, so we're calling today's uh, podcast Cold as Ice, and uh, it's something that, you know, I've been meditating on um, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 12 through 14. Um, it's there's kind of an interesting, this is called like, you know, the Jesus's end of the age discourse. And just to set a little background for you, um, they had just, they're in Jerusalem. They had just gone up to the temple and, you know, the temple is this huge structure and like the center of religious life and spiritual life in Israel. And the uh, Jesus's disciples are commenting about um, how, you know, beautiful the building is and how huge it is and, you know, just kind of, you know, being in awe uh, of this. And Jesus starts into this discourse saying, you know, uh, do you see all these stones? You know, not one of them will remain on the other. You know, that's where we get the term no stone unturned. And he's foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman army in 70 AD. Uh, but then Jesus makes this uh, really kind of startling statement. Um, I'll read it from the New Living Translation, um, and we're just going to start from there. Uh, he says, Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Other versions say that because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of most or the love of many will grow cold. And that phrase has just kind of been resonating with me. Uh, like, what does it mean for our love to grow cold? And um, Amy and I were talking about this last night and I was kind of saying, you know, what does that mean to you? And uh, we started talking about, you know, lawlessness and selfishness and just the whole idea and philosophy around me first and my, what I want, what I need, etc. And as I was thinking back over, you know, um, things in my life that I can kind of relate this to, I was thinking about a time uh, was not that long ago, November of last year. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoy every November in Michigan uh, is, you know, deer season. And um, I have yet, <laughs> have yet to get a deer, so I'm not the, the great white hunter, but uh, I intensely love uh, going up to northern Michigan and uh, being in the wilderness, uh, sitting in a deer blind. It's it's quiet. It's peaceful. Um, the last time I was up there, it was uh, probably 530 in the morning. I got into my deer blind and just uh, it was so still. All I could hear was my heartbeat and the ringing in my ears. And so this last year, um, I literally, I've been planning this for weeks. I had all of my gear. I'm ready to go. Literally, my bags are packed, waiting by the front door. And uh, Amy and I were, like, making some last-minute plans. And without going into a ton of detail, or, you know, like you say, Rick, to make a long story longer, <laughs> um, it just wasn't happening. You know, like, trying to get out the door was, uh, I felt like, 
at the very least, I wasn't contributing to the peace in our home because Amy had plans and she was trying to get away for the weekend to go do her thing. And we were trying to decide, you know, who was going to take which car. And here in Michigan in November, the weather can be really funky. So uh, we were talking about, you know, is it safe for her to drive in our sedan? You know, should she take our, you know, SUV or what? And um, So, yeah, it was just, there was just a, a feeling there that I'm trying to make this thing happen that I really want to do. And it's just not happening. And it's like, I knew, I knew if I try to do this, it's just not going to go well. Like I'll, I'll, it was going to be a rushed trip. I'm going to get up there. I'm, you know, going to be thinking the whole time I'm there about, you know, didn't, did Amy make it to her destination safely? And um, I'm not going to have the time to just sit and really soak in, you know, the peace that I, I feel sitting in nature. And so in the moment, I just said, you know what, let me just put my agenda aside. It's okay. You know, one of the things that uh, this new understanding of the coming renewal of all things has done for me is uh, it's taken a lot, not all, but a lot of the anxiety away from feeling like I have to squeeze as much of life as I can out of life right now. And so in that moment, I, I set my my bags down. You know, I had my gun case all loaded up and ready to go, set it down. And I was disappointed. I told her that. I'm like, I'm just, I'm disappointed, but I know it, it's okay. It's okay. I just, I need to work through these feelings about this, but it's okay. We ended up having a really lovely weekend together. And I went with her and her plans, made sure she got there safe. And all of that. So how does all this tie together? And then I'll be quiet and turn it over to you, Rick. Is, um, fine, <clears throat> if if I were going to allow my love to grow cold, um, I would push on with my agenda. I don't care what Amy's got going on. I don't care what other people have going on. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is my plan. I'm going to have nobody's going to get between me and what I want to do. And that's just not the kind of people that God has called us to be. You know, if I share the mind of Christ, I want the thoughts of Christ. I want to love what he loves. I want to, to value what he values. And, you know, Jesus set the example of putting his agenda aside in the Garden of Eden. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And so that's kind of how I launched into this is like, what does it mean for our love to grow cold? And then we'll kind of get into, you know, how do we keep our love warm? So with that, Rick, you know, what do you think, man? Uh, uh, I think he said that in the garden of Gethsemane, not in the garden of Eden, not the garden of Eden. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Just for our, listeners, just for our three listeners, let them know. <laughs> Hopefully one day it will grow to 3 million, three, 300, maybe 30. Okay, I'll be head, I'll happy with 30 for now. Um, I thought about this through the week, and I tried to, uh, you know, do a deep dive, scratch the surface a little bit. And, uh, you know, that does get kicked out. It's a phrase that get, gets kicked around, tossed around uh, more than a, you know, a Frisbee at a frat house during rush week. And, um, uh, and you know, I think the uh, you could say that, People whose love grows cold are the last to know. Mm. And, um, you know, and especially in this hour, and people are, 
I think from one generation to next, every generation, every era has had its challenges, its, uh, um, its fears, its concerns, its worries, its traumas and tragedies. You know, who's to say that during, you know, World War One, people thought that was the end of the world. And then World War Two, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, that was it. And, you know, COVID hit and everybody locked down and businesses failed. And uh, boy, if there was ever a time for the love of many to grow cold, that was the time because we were, there was right. so much isolation and people were isolated. And, <clears throat> you know, now that we've somewhat put that behind us, now we have all this turmoil in, in Europe in Ukraine and, you know, it's, um, it's almost like one distraction after another and it really ignites the end of the age conversation. And, uh, it, yep. yeah, it ignites that Armageddon end of the world. We're all going to be raptured and, um, uh, it almost, um, fuels it, uh, because of the, the escape mentality. And if there was ever another, um, you know, equation or something to add to the recipe for love growing cold, it would be, Hey, we're out of here. You know, you know, we're going to be raptured soon. So why bother? Why would you bother doing anything? Why would you bother getting involved? Why would you bother with anything? Loving your neighbor, uh, you know, loving your pastor, going to church. Cause you're, you know, hunkered down and you got your gold bag and your, and your gold Bible and, and your window's open. So in case you get raptured, you know, you don't get sucked through the screen or something. Or people think, you know, and people are really, they hang on to that fiercely and would be very upset, which I think is a very much a sign of love growing cold because you're not, you know, they're not open to any kind of discussion or conversation or discourse. Um, so that being said, there's a lot of things that can add to that. And uh, I think that, like I said, people who their love begins to grow cold don't know it because they're so focused on themselves. We're so self-absorbed. And, if, you know, again, with with social media, you know, it's just it is. Uh, gosh, I mean, it is a dumpster fire is what it is. A highly flammable raging dumpster fire headed for a raging, you know, and one of the best days I have ever had or best decisions was when I completely just pulled it off my phone. And uh, I'm telling you, you know, the air smelled cleaner, food tasted better. It just, you know, I mean, it was like this way. And then when you do go back, if I go back on my laptop, you know, if we're going to, if we got a show to play or, or, you know, something like that. I realize how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, I can't even describe it, Paul. It it is just so, so, it's so, I mean, it's just the epitome of narcissism. And uh, granted, I mean, it is a vehicle for some good things and uh, business, some businesses are thriving, you know, and, uh, but on the flip side of it, you know, I mean, how fast can you eat 10 Whoppers or, or something like that? And how many likes, how many likes did I get? And I just, I can't, I couldn't do it anymore. And, uh, so the more, you know, the more I thought about it and I tried to find some messages online to see, and it, 
I kept running into the same theme. And so the more I thought about it, the one phrase came to mind was the great and terrible day of the Lord. Mm. And I think it is in Acts chapter two. But before we go there, this whole thing began in Matthew 24. And you touched on that. And uh, Jesus, they leave the temple, him and his disciples. And um, and his disciples are telling him, look at all this great stuff, as if he'd never seen it before. You right. know, I, I mean, it, you know, he's in his 30s. He, just, he grew up there and he's familiar with it. He, he is the son of God. Um, you know, and they're pointing all this stuff out. He says, do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. He just predicted the fall of the temple was 70 years later, correct? When they just sacked Jerusalem. So then they continue on. They sit down at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately. So apparently there was a throng of people following, following him, which was pretty much the case all the time, and uh, which kind of is a parallel and a picture of today. There's a lot of people following Jesus, but there are a few disciples, you know, people, curiosity, hounds, uh, religious, TMZ, wanted, somebody wants a sandwich, somebody's cables out, whatever. And um, they ask him, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and then the end of the age? So they're expecting him to come back. I find this very curious because he's not dead yet. He has not been crucified. And they ask him, point. yeah. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I thought this was very astute for uh, his disciples to ask him that. So somebody was on the ball. Mm. And his response is, watch out that no one deceives you. Right there, I think, is the crux of your love growing cold is deception. That we are just people get deceived. There are so many voices and uh, coming at us constantly. And so, sometimes the best thing we can do is shut off social media, you know, yep. shut off our phones, just turn off and unplug and listen to what's immediately around us. Because I mean, if you look back and not that long ago, what, 10 years ago, even 10, 15 years ago, when there was no social media and, uh, maybe it was in its infancy, if it was even at all. Um, right. We weren't constantly taking pictures of, you know, what we had for dinner and, uh, you know, what we're listening to. Um, right. We, the world wasn't flooded with cat pictures. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we, we communicated one-on-one. -on -one. We called the friends or we went and saw them. Yeah. So our, our oikos, our little circle of friends, was very tight and and uh you know some larger than others but that was our interaction we had some social interaction and nowadays it's just all you know keyboard cowboys so mm -hmm. and the more i thought about that and i thought about the great and terrible day of the lord um in acts 2 that means it uh, there's two different reactions to the con when he comes, when he returns, when he brings his kingdom, for some people, it's going to be great. Great day. It's going to be everything they've been waiting for. 
hoping for, praying for, living for, working for, yes. investing for is the is his return. And yeah. it comes right back to our ambivalence towards the return of Christ, John and Blaine. It, yeah. yeah. Those people that are are you know, physically, daily, um, spiritually, emotionally invested in that and praying for it. And, uh, you know, we've had this conversation. I, you know, I can remember back, you know, after being saved and, and um, you know, being preached, taught the rapture and the end of the world and Armageddon and, you know, the earth turning into a smoldering Cheeto and, um um, that's, I didn't want that to happen. So, you know, Lord, let us speak on before that happens. Let, let me be an old guy on a cane, you know, that can barely get from the living room to the kitchen. Um, then, then you can come, <laughs> but even not then, because then your kids, it's, there's always someone. And, um, so, but now that it's, we've seen the great renewal and it's just, it is this tapestry woven through the entire Bible. And when you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. So for people like you and I, and, and I mean, this is fairly new for both of us. You know, we had our ups and downs. We struggled a lot, a lot of failures. You pray, you fail, you pray, you fail, you pray, you fail, you know, and you, that's, that was it. That was my life. I know that was a lot of, your experience as well. And uh, this changed everything. And now I find myself anticipating, praying this morning. I stood on the porch. I do every morning. I look up at the sky. I pray. I worship. I talk to God like I'm talking to you right now. I'm going to tell him how I excited I am for him to come, that I want to be fully invested now, not sitting on my roof waiting for his return, but to be doing something now that will I will just continue, just transition in, in doing the same thing, that I'll be fully invested and fully employed in the great renewal. That is the great day of the Lord. The terrible day of the Lord is one that's not expecting, one that didn't want it to come. Not yet. Not now. Not now. Um, and uh, I think the more isolated we become, and I think it all ties together, Paul. You know that everything is linked. Everything is woven together. You can't pull one thread out of the, exactly. of the Bible and, and make that a bracelet. This is it. And uh, I think that is uh, paramount to the, the uh, verse, do not forsake the gathering, the fellowship of the saints. Yep. And, uh, you know, you know, as well as I do, people throw everything at you, you know. Well, you know, you don't have to go to church. No, you don't. No, you should. It's a good you know. place to start. Steve Gray said, uh, it's not a sin, it's a sign. Right. That's good. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, I love that you brought up the fact that it, yeah, you can't pull out one thread and hang your salvation on that. You know, when we consider the story God is telling, we have to consider the whole story. You have to consider the whole counsel of God. And there's so many scriptures and uh, so much wisdom from God that comes from people who, you know, sincerely teach the word that help round out the story. And John Eldridge has been that for me. I, um, 
you know, it started with the his podcast uh, about our ambivalence around the return of Christ, and then um, I have taken over the last year or so to listening to his podcast on a regular basis, and so um, he's become a very trusted voice for me. Yeah, and his most recent uh, episode uh, of his podcast, the Wild at Hard Pod, Wild at Heart podcast, for anybody that may be interested in looking that up. Um, he and his wife Stacy were talking uh, again about our divided allegiances, and they made a statement in there that uh, I never really considered, but as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that's absolutely true. The grace and the love of God are absolutely unconditional. Mm. We know that. We've preached that. That's preached every Sunday from pulpits around the world, but intimacy with God is not unconditional. And we know that to be true in our own lives. Like you and I are intimate as very, very close friends in a way that I am not intimate with coworkers or acquaintances. Right. I don't share my innermost thoughts and feelings and desires and hopes and dreams and fears with just everybody, but I share those things with you. And God is the same way. And uh, <clears throat> to support that, and I promise I'm getting around to, you know, love growing cold and love staying warm, but we have to kind of build this, you know, there's, there's a lot that undergirds Jesus's statement. Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 19, I think it's chapter 19. Um, anyway, it says the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to God. Like, and... Um, this brings in the parable um, in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about the 10 virgins, you know, the 10 bridesmaids who were waiting for the bridegroom to come. Five were foolish and did not bring enough oil for their lamps to get them through the night. And five were wise. They did bring enough. And that oil is the presence of God. It's intimacy with God. And so how does all this tie together? Like our intimacy with God is the springboard from which the rest of our life flows and we can't we're not going to be close and intimate with other people and keep our love for others warm if our affection for god and our commitment to intimacy with him is left untended if it's left cold if it's left tattered like his love and his grace are unconditional but jesus instructs us through the word to make sure you've got enough of the presence of God to get you through the night. And yeah, our world, it's always been the world. It's the world is always going to be the world. We're not, there's never a way in which the world system is ever going to line up with God's system. You know, scripture says they're always going to be opposed to one another, but our world, it, the lawlessness is increasing. The selfishness, a, a phrase that I think is common now uh, that is a lawless, selfish phrase is, uh, you know, like everybody wants people to respect their lived truth. Like you're not, ex you're not, uh, you know, you're not, you're not appreciating my lived truth as if I am the arbiter of all that is true and right and good for my own life. You know, the love, their love for God. If you make a statement like that, it's a sign that your love for God has grown cold. You You don't know scripture you don't know what his word says you don't know the standards that he set you don't know like you and i are going through the old testament 
reading and uh, we're in the book of Deuteronomy now and, and Moses is reciting and remind, reminding the Israelites of all of the commands that God has given. If you do these things, you'll be cursed. If you do these things, you'll be blessed. That's just, it's the way life is set up. And so, yeah, if we're going to keep our love warm, if we're going to keep from growing cold, if we're going to position ourselves in a place where Jesus's return is great and not terrible, we have to make sure that we are protecting with ferocity our intimacy with God, yeah. having that time with him. And it's from that place that we become better husbands, better fathers, better wives, better mothers, you know, better employees, better friends, because, um, you know, scripture says, you know, from the heart flow the issues of life. And if our heart is disconnected from God, if our love has grown cold toward him, our love is just naturally going to grow cold toward everyone else. So, yeah. yeah. The was the proverb that says bad company corrupts good morals. Yes. You're known by the company you keep. That's also very, uh, a very uh, key, a key. It's very key and a uh, very instrumental also in keeping your love warm. Uh, <clears throat> if you're cold and you want to get warm, you go sit by the fire, sit by the furnace, sit by the heater. You go and sit by something warm. Source of heat. There you yes. go. Yeah, you find a source of heat and you get close to it. Um, That's good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's such a simple, you know, bumper sticker, mm -hmm. Christianese, but there's truth to it. You know, if that's, if you find yourself in that place um, that you just, you know, even when you said that about, you don't respect my truth. Yeah, there's a part of me that is like, I just have no tolerance or patience for that. Yeah, you know, like, why don't you, yeah. your, why don't you, you and your truth move along, you know? Um, yeah, how warm is that love? I mean, you know, and I think uh, another thing is that it boils down to forgiveness. If we all were in that, you know, if we, we find ourselves working and in that place of forgiveness, because, you know, Again, very simple key. Forgive me my trespasses as mm -hmm. I forgive those who trespass against me. Yeah, that's there we go. That, that's, that uh there's two parts of that equation. Yeah. We have to forgive. And sometimes mm -hmm. we have to forgive what we feel is the unforgivable. You know, I don't really understand. I mean, I've told you before I I uh I did prison ministry for five years in Illinois and we traveled all over the state and over into Indiana and went to all kinds of prisons from minimums to maximums. I was in, I was up in uh, Statesville, Joliet the week after John Wayne Gacy was executed, you know? So I met a lot of interesting people and, uh, um, but, yeah, the, um, gosh, where was I going with this? I completely just derailed. I did I forgiving others as we've been forgiven and right. Um, we, uh, it, the offense that comes, if they come all the time, there is an offense that comes every day, all day yeah. things that people say. And so many Christians, Christians that I know, Christians that you know, today in this hour are locked and loaded and, you know, are, uh, 
you know, getting, having a, have a range finder set up for the end of their driveway. Um, person will, shall remain nameless, but, and I've said, if it comes to that, it's already over. How, you know, how can we, and, and again, you know, how can we read the Bible every day and believe in, in this God of justice, this, you know, that he is a God of justice, but he also is a God of love and a God of peace. He's the creator. He's the architect, the great physician, the great I am, the Prince of Peace, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And one day the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior. So, and then we sit in our homes and fantasize about our ARs, our shotguns, and our, um, you know, our Winchesters pointed out the window, blasting people, you know, with worship music playing. Right. I mean, yeah, and you and I, we love our guns as much as anybody, but that's not our savior. That's not where our salvation is at. It's not. That's, and to hold on to that, you know, hunker down, you know, wait it out, you know, kill anybody that comes against me and mine. It's just antithetical with who Jesus was and is and who he's called us to be right now. Right. But on the flip side of that, Israel, God's chosen people, their uh, motto, their slogan, their mantra to this day is never again. Never again. Never again. And they were brutalized. So where do you land on this side of that? And I mean, it's, we could really go down a rabbit hole and get real existential on this thing. Um, you know, uh, David, King David, bloody hands. He was a warrior. I mean, he left a lot of bodies mm-hmm. behind him. But yeah. nobody had a heart after God like he did. Right. So I, I, mean, I, probably, I might be getting off track here. Um, I, I just, I, and I think that part of the key in that, Paul, is who we associate with. I think there is a key because David had a, no one had a heart after God like he did. Yet, the, I mean, he was a warrior. He was a warrior's warrior, you know. Right. He was, I mean, the song that they sang about him, Saul has killed his thousands, right. but David his tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. So um, he loved God. He loved God more than he hid. The presence of God was more important to him than anything. Take not thy Holy right. Spirit from me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm probably, I might have got off track. But love, love always knows what to do. Uh, Love knows what to do. Love. Yeah. I think that our, our aim has to be Jesus. I love you more than anything. And there's so much that we can't control. We have no control over our government that is bigger than it should be and more invasive than it should be. We have no control over what the Chinese are going to do or what the Russians are going to do or what the other political party is going to do, but we have control over the condition and the state of our heart. Right. And if God has that, he can work with everything else. So that's good. I agree. I like what CS Lewis said in the great divorce. 
the demand of the loveless and the self-imprisoned that they should be allowed to blackmail the universe, that until they consent to be happy on their own terms, no one else should taste joy. There should be the final power and hell should be able to veto heaven. Either the day must come when joy prevails and all makers of misery are no longer able to infect it, or else forever the makers of misery can destroy in others the happiness they reject for themselves. I know it has a grand sound to say you'll accept no salvation which leaves even one creature in the dark outside, but watch that sophistry or you'll make a dog in a manger the tyrant of the universe. That's uh, from The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. That is profound, and it is very contrary to what a lot of people have embraced. Um, that, uh, you know, God's desire is that all men be saved. Will all men be saved? No. For some, it's going to be a really bad day, a really bad, horrible, terrible day. For those waiting, it's going to be great. And uh, the, I, the, I think the deciding thing is love and devotion. And if you, yeah. if you truly love something or someone, you're devoted to them. If you love playing the guitar, you're going to play that guitar every chance you get. People make time to do the things they love to do. People love to cook. There you go. Yeah, people love to cook. They're going to make time yep. to cook. They love the garden. Every chance they get, they're gonna be, you're gonna see them in the garden. They love uh, cars, boats, fishing, hunting. They love their spouse. They love their kids. That's what they're going to do. They love yeah. God. They're going to make time for God. But that's the yeah. one thing that when you make time for God, it spills into every arena of your life. Yes. Whereas if you yep. love stamps, that stamp collection is not going to spill into every area of your life. You can tell people about your stamp collection, but that stamp collection is not going to heal anybody. It's not going to set anybody free. It's not going to save their marriage. It's not going to build their faith. It's not going to uh, restore their hope. It right. will probably put them to sleep unless they love stamps too. When you love, right. yeah, when you love God, you love his presence, you love his word, that spills into every arena and every area of your life. It becomes a part of who you are and you become, you become a part of the kingdom. You carry the kingdom. We carry the kingdom. We are, we become ambassadors of the kingdom of God, carrying his authority, carrying his presence, his purpose, his peace, his power, his passion, yeah. carry all those things. That is the one benefit, not the one, good grief, that, you know, the, that affects not only you in every area of your life, but every person that you love, people that you come yeah. in contact with. Yeah. If you love to cook, only those people that eat your food are going to be affected by that. Right. So, and to get, yeah. And to get back to your analogy of the heat source, we become, we need to become that, that heater that other people can get close to and warm up. That's where I was going with my prison story. <laughs> Hey, he's come coming around the mountain when he comes. 
I went off. I went off the rails. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what happens with, uh, when hyper isolation and uh, you're just so isolated that any kind of compassion, mercy, peace, uh, and it just, it, I mean, what happens if you freeze something too long? I mean, it just, it, it, you can't use it anymore. Well, that's the one thing about the human heart, what God can do. It doesn't matter how long it's been locked in a block of ice. He can turn it back into a heart of flesh. That's good. Yeah. And, um, I think it is extremely important and paramount as believers and as, you know, people that love God to truly gather, especially men and our friends, you know, those close to us to strongly encourage to, you know, to, to get together, to fellowship. And even if it's just, you know, tacos and, and talking about God, talking about the kingdom, talking about some scriptures or just talking about life, you know, yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a formal Bible study in King James. They can just, just having a friend, you know, and we, with so all the, you know, distractions and electronic devices that are at our fingertips today, it is really easy to isolate there. I read a story a long time ago about a monk who, uh, who had troubles with his, his thoughts, you know, he was always dealing with lust and whatever and greed and anger with the people around him. So his solution, which he thought was to isolate himself in a cave and stay there for a year and just do nothing, but, you know, study the scriptures that what he had and to live in this cave and, and, uh, they would bring food or whatever. Um, according to this legend or fable or whatever it is that he didn't make it a year because that isolation was more of a torment and fuel for his thought life than actually sitting and being with people and having that human interaction and that human contact. And I think that's what, that's what happens. And that's what is happening to a lot of people. And, uh, the scenarios that we paint in our minds sometimes become more real than the reality that we're living in. And, uh, you know, I, I'm might again, might be off course, but you know, that's where you, you find yourself locked and loaded and, uh, waiting for the end. I don't want to wait for the end, Paul. I want to wait for the beginning. The end, yeah, of, that's the, good. the end of the world is not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Like N.T. Uh, N.T. Wright also said, God's the the hope of the early Christian church is that God would do for the entire universe what He did for Jesus on Easter. Absolutely, and that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're prepping for. I mean, with as much energy as we can muster, I mean, we're not perfect men, but I know you and I, and there's a lot of others out there that are eagerly waiting for and busily waiting for the return of the king and the beginning. Absolutely. Get close to the yeah. fire. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good place to, to kind of wrap for the day is that if, you know, if people are watching this and they find themselves having grown colder than their 
than they want to be, and they want to, to heat up. Like, start with connecting with us. You can get yeah. a hold of us at info at thecosmiccarwash.com. We would absolutely love to uh, connect with you through the version uh, devotionals or, you know, talk on the phone or just we want to help people stay ready, get ready, be ready for the renewal of all things that starts when Jesus Christ returns. And yeah. Yeah. Nothing else matters besides that. Yeah. And if you find yourself growing cold and you want to be on fire for God, find someone on fire for God. You can get yes. close to a lot of fires, but you want to make sure you're close to the right one. You don't right. want to, you don't want to warm up next to a dumpster fire. <laughs> so that's find true. somebody yeah. that's burning for Jesus and get close to them. And remember, God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. All right. Good place to stop. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Be well.